Corinthians 14 and 12. We're going to be going there today as well. But this is found in Luke 4:18. Jesus has just come through his temptation in the wilderness, and now he goes to the synagogue. Luke 4, 18. <clears throat> the Spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Dear Heavenly Father, we come to you this morning. We thank you for the Holy Scripture, God. I pray in these next few moments, God, as we look at some scriptures, God, that we would uh, begin to understand you more, begin to understand our faith more, begin to understand why we believe what we believe. God, I pray that we, you would draw us uh, to yourself, that you would be lifted up this morning. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, the last several weeks, last week we had a, um, a missionary, so we kind of took a break in, but we, in, our, um, in what we were talking about. But between now and Pentecost, Pentecost Sunday is June 5th, we've been talking about the Holy Spirit. And this past week, as I was thinking about um, the Holy Spirit, I was thinking about what it means, and I was thinking about the day of Pentecost and the Holy Spirit, and I was thinking about what it means to be a Pentecostal. What are the distinctives? What are things that are distinct about us that are not, uh, cannot be said about other denominations? And let me say here from the beginning that I believe that any church that is Christ-centered and is producing fruit is being used by God and is called by God. The purpose of this message this morning is not to, to paint our church as better, but to point out our distinctions. I don't believe that we are better than any other church. That is not what I'm trying to say, but I want to, to paint for you to point out our distinctions. What, what is it that distinctively makes us Pentecostal? So what is it that makes Pentecostals distinct? I asked this question of many people the last couple days, and I got a lot of different responses. And one of them, one thing that is obvious is speaking in tongues. How many in here, be honest, were freaked out the first time you ever heard somebody speak in tongues? Yeah. Yes, of course. I, I was probably too young to know it. I grew up around... <laughs> I grew up Pentecostal, so. But sometimes still when I hear somebody speak in tongues, I'm, ooh. So what is speaking in tongues? Well, let me just tell you, if you were freaked out by it, you're not alone. It's weird. It's weird. <laughs> speaking in tongues is different. It is outside of the norm. But in Acts, the second chapter, we read about the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. And when that happened, the people of Jerusalem thought it was weird, too. Because they said, these people are obviously drunk. They have been drinking too much wine. And the Apostle Peter stood up and said, it's only nine o'clock in the morning. These people aren't drunk yet. The distinctive practice of speaking in tongues can come across as weird. So I want to talk about it. I want to 
take it. Don't worry, I'm not going to come around and shake anybody. I'm not going to come around and... When I was a kid, I'd get nervous when the preacher would start talking about speaking in tongues. I thought, uh-oh, he's going to expect me to do it. Guess what? I, I don't expect you to do anything. I can't make you do anything. I'm not, I don't, would never want to try to make you do anything. But I want to talk about it because we experience it, right, sometimes. So what is it? What is speaking in tongues? I believe that Paul in 1 Corinthians 14, 14 tells us, he says it's prayer and it's praise. He says it's prayer and it's praise. He says, I will pray in the spirit and I will pray with understanding. I will praise in the spirit and I will praise with understanding. Then he goes on to say, because if I just pray in tongues, no one will understand what I'm saying to God. If I just praise in the spirit, no one will praise with me. So I believe that the purpose of tongues is prayer and praise. Pastor Walker spoke a few weeks ago about uh, how there are a lot of churches are cessationists. I think I'm getting that word right. They believe that all of the gifts of the spirits died with the apostles. We don't believe that. That's something that makes us distinct, distinctly Pentecostal. We believe in practice that when the Holy Spirit comes on you, you may speak in tongues. When you are baptized as a separate act from salvation, you might speak in tongues. And that's what we believe as Pentecostals. The baptism of the Spirit is something that we believe happens after salvation. Tongues are prayer and praise. Prayer and praise to God when our words are not adequate. I'll give you an example. Three days ago, I get a phone call, a terrifying phone call. I was in Rockport, Missouri, delivering packages. I get a phone call from my daughter, Hannah. Sorry, Ellie, I'm going to out you here in front of everybody. Ellie's got a bad headache and she can't see. She can't feel her mouth and the right side of her body is numb. She can't feel anything on the right side of her body. I knew Hannah was at work, so I hung up on Hannah, didn't even finish talking to her. And I called Miles, who was with Ellie. I said, take your sister to the ER right now. So then I called the ER, told them my son and my daughter are coming. And I called my wife at work. And then I started driving home from Rockport, Missouri, which was, I was over an hour away from where I was. And my words were not adequate for the prayer that I needed to pray to God. My words weren't adequate. I didn't know how to, I knew I needed to pray, but I didn't know how to pray. And so I prayed in tongues. Because tongues are like a shorthand to God. It's like a shorthand. It's like, it, it, we don't know, Paul even tells us, we don't know what we're praying, but we are praying through the Spirit for what needs to be prayed for. I didn't know how to pray. I didn't know what was going on, but I knew that I had to pray. And I prayed in the spirit. And then as we got to the hospital, my, my mom was there and we gathered around uh, my daughter and we prayed. And my mom was praying in tongues because she didn't know how to pray. But she prayed through the spirit. Because, and, and is tongues its own, is tongues a language? Sometimes it's another language. But I think most of the times it's not. It's you speaking to God. It's like a shorthand. I, you know, we can do things linguistically that are not cognizant words. 
If I, tell, if I tell a joke up here and you guys laugh, you're making, a, uh, you're making a sound with your mouth, but what you're saying to me is, I got that, and I think that's funny. But you're doing it with just a ha You're not speaking, but I know exactly what you're saying. If you sigh, I know that you're sad. If you scream, you're probably scared. We can, we can say things with our mouth that are not words, that have meaning, right? So don't get, don't try to overcomplicate speaking in tongues. It is you expressing yourself to God. It's you in prayer to God as the Holy Spirit comes upon you and in you and fills you. It is you expressing yourself to God and praising God when words just won't do, when words are just not adequate. Is it a language? Yes, sometimes. More, more likely and more often than not, it's just prayer and praise. Now, Paul does address in a corporate setting speaking in tongues and prophecy. I'm not talking about that here. Most people do not get the gift of, of that. It happens. Yes, it does. But most people don't get that. But I believe this gift of prayer and praise to God is available to all believers. I believe it's available. So anyway, and... And, and linguistically, I mean, think about how you talk to your cat. You don't use words, right? But your cat knows what you mean. My cat gets up on the counter. I give her a tss, tss, or a hayats. I'm not even saying words. I just, or, we, or when people, if you ever watch a horse trainer, they're like, they're doing all kinds of stuff like that. The horse knows what they're saying. It's shorthand. We overcomplicate sometimes, I think. Our spirit the Spirit of God in us knows what needs to be prayed, and we just have to open our mouths sometime and let him pray through us. Okay, don't let speaking in tongues freak you out. Sometimes, sometimes we let, because, I mean, we've, if you've been in a Pentecostal church long enough, you've seen some crazy people. <laughs> I'll tell you. As my sisters and I and my parents, we could tell you some stories about some people who've come to church come up front and start taking their boots off and <laughs> start saying weird things. So I think sometimes my personality is I don't want the crazy. So I, sometimes I might stifle anything. But we have to be open to the Spirit. Don't be afraid of speaking in tongues. It's just people praising God, people praying to God when words aren't adequate. That's all that it is. It's the spirit in us praying through us, praising through us. Amen? Amen. It's nothing to fear. It's nothing to be afraid of. It's nothing to be weirded out by. So one of our distinctive practices as Pentecostals is that we speak in tongues or are at least open to the practice. We are open to it. Um, so this is just kind of like more like a, a I wouldn't even, I, I hate it when people get up and say, oh, this is just going to be a teaching this morning because that just assumes that they know more than you. So this is just kind of me talking about our distinctives. <laughs> Another distinctive that we have as Pentecostals is that we believe and we pray for miracles. Why do we pray? Why do we have you come forward up front here? 
is because we believe that God hears us and that God answers. Just by a show of hands, how many of you have had a miracle happen to you and you know it was from God? Yeah. We believe in miracles. We believe that God intervenes in our lives. We believe that, that the miracles did not die with the apostles. And, you know, I've, I've talked to some people, and they have given me some really good arguments about why the gifts of the Spirit and why, the, 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 uh, why miracles died with the apostles. But you know what they cannot give me is Scripture to back that up. They can give me arguments, but they cannot give me Scripture. I cannot find anywhere in the Scripture where it says, well, as soon as the Apostle Paul dies, as soon as the rest of the Apostle dies, throw away 1 Corinthians 12, 13, and 14. I don't find it. So we believe in miracles. We believe in the laying on of hands. That's why we do it. That is something that makes us distinct. And, and just building up to the day of Pentecost, I don't know why I thought this would be important to just talk about some of our distinctives. Again, I don't think we're better than anybody else. That is not what I'm saying. I don't think our church is better than any other church. That is not what I'm saying. I'm talking about our distinctions this morning, what makes us distinct. We believe in miracles. We pray for miracles. As I was writing this uh, out last night, I thought of Hayden Thompson. Many of you know Hayden Thompson. He graduated from our school a couple years ago. He was playing in a basketball game. We were playing against um, Garden City, and he fractured his leg. He took a charge. <laughs> <laughs> and Miles and I sat with him in the ER for, I don't know, three hours. When we go back there, the doctor comes in. He says, your leg is fractured. I'm going to send you to the specialist. And as we were leaving, Hayden said to me, God's going to heal my leg. And I'm going to play basketball. Because <laughs> the doctor said he wasn't going to finish the season. <laughs> I said, Okay. <laughs> Okay, sure you are. Well, that game was on a Friday, and that Sunday in church, we prayed for Hayden Thompson. Hayden's faith was stronger than my faith, because I saw the x-ray. Hayden went to the specialist. They did another x-ray, and they said, you don't have a fracture. They said, you have a high ankle sprain, but you don't have a fracture. So he sat out three or four weeks and finished the season, maybe not even three or four weeks. Now, you can say, well, that was a misreading by the first doctor, or that was a, not a fracture. by the Say whatever you want. <laughs> Two different doctors got, got, got it wrong, or one got it right, one got it wrong. Whatever, Hayden believes he was healed. And he'll tell you to this day, last time I talked to him, we were talking about it. Uh, Brother Pat back there, the same thing. He had fractures in his wrists, and we prayed for you, didn't we, Pat? We went to the doctor, and those fractures were gone. I believe in miracles. I believe that God hears our prayers and that God answers our prayers. Now, every prayer will not be answered. Every, everyone who is sick will not be healed. And we, but we still pray. We still ask. We still believe. We keep knocking. We keep asking. We keep seeking, right? We believe in the gifts of the Spirit. When I was a little boy, I had asthma. Couldn't run. I mean, I wasn't. That's probably too chubby. That's probably part of it. But I had asthma really bad. I couldn't breathe. I remember telling my mom, I wish I could just die. I can't imagine, can't imagine a kid saying that. She should have slapped me. But I couldn't breathe. And I said to her, I don't remember, 
I remember a little bit about this, but I said to her, if Grandpa prays for me, I'll be healed. And he prayed for me, and we threw away my medicine, and I've never had trouble again. I mean, you can't tell by looking at me, but I can run like the wind blows. <laughs> oh, man. God is good. We believe in miracles. But you know what? I prayed for a lot of other things that didn't come to, happen, come to pass. But I believe, and I, when we pray, when you come forward, we are believing and we are expecting that God is going to meet and God is going to work and God is going to move. That is something that makes us distinctly Pentecostal. That is one of our distinctives, is that we believe that the gifts poured out on the day of Pentecost are still being poured out. Amen? As Peter stood and said, Joel said, in the last days I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. We believe that is still happening. Amen? Amen. Another thing that is distinct, distinctly Pentecostal is what we believe in the gifts of the spirit. We believe in the gifts, all the gifts of the Spirit. We believe that they're all still in operation. And, and one of the responses I got yesterday when I sent out the text is what makes us distinctly Pentecostal was not just that we believe, but that we desire the gifts. And that struck me. We desire the gifts. God is a gentleman. The Holy Spirit is a gentleman. He's not going to thrust upon you anything that you don't want. If you say, you know what, speaking in tongues, that freaks me out. I want no part of it. God's not going to come in and grab your tongue and start <laughs> making you do something you don't want to do. It's not going to happen. We desire the gifts. That's something that makes us distinctly Pentecostal. 1 Corinthians 12, 28 through 31 says, And God has placed in the church, first of all, apostles, second prophets, third teachers, then miracles, then gifts of healing, of helping, of guidance, of different kinds of tongues. Are all apostles? Are all prophets? Are all teachers? Do all work miracles? Do all have gifts of healings? Do all speak in tongues? Do they all interpret? Now eagerly desire the greater gifts, and yet I will show you the most excellent way. Eagerly desire the greater gifts. Something that makes us distinctly Pentecostal is that we desire the gifts of the Spirit. It's good to desire the gifts of the Spirit. And it's up to God to decide what gifts are passed out. Who gets what gift? We talked about that several weeks ago. That we don't get to say, God, I want to be a healer. I want to, I want, I want to walk through somewhere. Do you, remember, do you know that the Bible says that uh, Peter and John's shadow fell on people, and they were healed. I want that to happen to me. That's crazy. That was a gift. They didn't ask for that, but God gave that to them. All right, we're not all teachers. We're not all apostles. We're not, we don't all work miracles, but we all have a gift from God, and it is good to desire the gifts. That's something that makes us Pentecostal. We desire the gifts. Amen. Amen. We're just about winding down. You guys should be happy about that. And if you just snuck in here this morning, you didn't mean to come to a Pentecostal church, I'm sorry. <laughs> now you know. Oh, that's why they're crazy and I won't go back. <laughs> These are what make us distinctly Pentecostal, some of the things. I read you that scripture at the beginning that the spirit where Jesus stood and read from Isaiah. He said that the Spirit of God is upon me because he's anointed me 
to preach good news to the poor, set at liberty those that are captive to bring sight to the blind. And as Pentecostals, we believe that that same spirit that was on Jesus, he has prayed to the Father, and the Father has sent that spirit, and it is now on us. The same spirit that was working in Jesus to bring good news to the poor, to bring freedom to the captives, to set at liberty those that are oppressed, and to bring sight to the blind, that spirit is now in me working those very same things. As a Pentecostal, I believe that the spirit that raised Christ from the dead now lives in me and will quicken my mortal body and cause me to live my life the way Christ lived his. Bringing good news to the poor. Bringing freedom to the oppressed. Bringing freedom to the prisoners. And sight to the blind. That is what the Spirit wants to do in you. So, winding up. Man, it's early. When I was a kid, if you'd have told me the preacher was going to preach on speaking in tongues and we were going to be out at 11.15, I'd have said, you're crazy. <laughs> and you would have been. Because <laughs> some of those times you just come up to the altar and you just fall asleep. Because you never want to be the first one to get up. That's a sign of sin in your life when you're the first one up. <laughs> Let somebody else get up first, and then you peek under your arm. Yeah. <clears throat> oh, I could play the church game. Mm-hmm. I, I, I think sometimes we, we, we mystify things, and it is mystical, the, the, the mysteries of God. They are, but we complicate things and make them much more complicated than they are. We, act, we, we, we sometimes act like the Holy Spirit will only come on perfect people who have completely got their lives cleaned up, and then the Holy Spirit... No. No, the Holy Spirit will come on us. The Holy Spirit will come upon us, just as it did Jesus, if you are a yielded vessel, if you are open to it. Amen. Amen. This is a different kind of message today, but it's just, have, we haven't talked about this, these things for a while. We haven't taught on these things. So I believe that what makes us distinct and what we believe is that speaking in tongues is an expression of prayer and praise that accompanies the baptism in the Holy Spirit. We believe that God performs miracles today. We believe in the gifts of the Spirit, and we, we understand that it is a desire for the gifts of the Spirit that will bring them to your life as God gives the gifts out. And we also believe that the same Spirit that was in Christ is in us and on us to bring good news to the poor. Amen. Amen. I'm going to ask the band to come back up. We're going to go into a time of communion.